Four guys with three decades of friendship, located across two states with one bond. Grab your drink of choice and join the conversation. Welcome to Brotherhood of Banter. Hello and welcome to the Brotherhood of Banter. I am Eddie. We have Ricardo, Luis, and Diego. So today we're going to be talking about our fathers, Father's Day, and just everything in between. And you know how I was growing up, the goods, the bads, how they made us the people that we are today. So how was your Father's Day? Father's Day was great, man. Uh, we had um, we had a uh, sorry, uh, we had a uh, dinner. Uh, well, actually, a lunch. My mom cooked um, carne tapada. If some of you know what that is, uh, what is it's that? basically Nika style tapada. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, like it, it's um, like it's a beef. It's a beef type of meat that comes with uh, olives. It comes with raisins, and it has like this nice, you know. Um, seasoning in it and with rice cuban bread so yeah man it was a special mm. special meat my mom cooked nice. you know for especially for my dad um and we also did before that we did a breakfast too so we did a breakfast for my dad then we did a you know that that meal for my dad uh which was already cooked one day before but then we celebrated you know eating it uh lunchtime and gave him gifts you know my brother came over his three nieces were there i mean i'm sorry his three his three daughters my three nieces and uh yeah man just having a good time watching watching some uh a little bit of tv and just uh catching up playing with the nieces and that's what we did it was pretty cool that's cool. you guys you guys switched it up this time you guys normally you know order out like yeah for, like, exactly. uh, cooking something from the heart yeah <laughs> that's what it was my mom was cooking something from the heart she was uh it was definitely a soul food you know soul food meal um and yeah he loved it man there was none there was not even a piece left actually yeah there was only a little piece left you know um the next day so it, it was gobbled yeah, Father's Day was the only was my like I said before was my only pause uh, in the middle of, of working on this website and I it was good man. My girlfriend Gwen came over and we just spent it here with my kids. Um, we got um, nice chewing sounds there, Ricardo. Yeah. <laughs> He's still eating the carne carne tapada. <laughs> We, we still hear it, bro. <laughs> You're gonna have to make yourself when you're chewing. Um, anyway, so we um, we just we ordered Chinese. We and then we uh, watched the show alone. What is, is that about? It's a show where they it's like a survival show where they they put people they pick ten people. They allow them to take 10 items that whatever they choose and that they need for survival out in the wild. 
and then they drop them in a hell you know from uh, they drive they, they land them in a helicopter in a very very remote place and they're there completely alone with the exception of medical crews that come out to check on their health like every at first it's like after one month or something like that and then afterwards it's um like every week i guess and they're they're out there for up to a year wow let that let that sink in for up to a year they can be out there and the first the last person to be left without tapping out without you know asking to be picked up is the winner of, of a half a million dollars and it's it's a crazy show man it really like it had me and, and my daughter hooked and and gwen also she she got hooked on it dope show really cool show we also got hooked wow. on wait know, so that was like a reality show or like uh a... <laughs> it was a reality show but this thing was like for real for real because these people basically like they there's no crew camera crew with them they give them a ton of they give them several cameras a ton of batteries, a ton of uh, memory cards, and they're responsible for actually like shooting themselves with tripods and stuff. Mm. So it's, man, it's man. they're legitimately right. It is, man. Yeah, yeah. This time so, it lasted seventy-one days, I think it was, before everybody tapped out and there was one guy left. There's six wow. seasons of that show. I've only this is the first one I see. Damn, I gotta check that thing out. Yeah, like it's like Survivor, but with like an extreme. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. like like the less dramatic. Less less produced version of, of that of survivor of Survivor. Anyway, so um we also have you guys seen The Floor is Lava on Netflix? Oh man, I just yeah. got to watching that. <laughs> yeah. So fun. Man, that's one of the, it, it brought that thing brought me back to like Nickelodeon days when they used to have all those game shows, uh like contest shows like that. Oh man, it was so much so much fun. I already we already finished the first season. What is that? What is that show about? Have you ever played the game? Or have you seen the game, uh, The Floor is Lava, where you pretend, you know, like, obviously the floor is lava and you got to hop kid, onto to the closest like furniture that. or chair yeah. or whatever just to stay off the floor. Oh, okay, okay. So they turned it into an actual show, and I don't know what the substance is. You know, it, it looks like lava. And let's say they were to fill up your living room mm -hmm. with uh, this fluid, and you got to make it, let's say, from one couch to your front door. You know, without mm -hmm. falling in, mm -hmm. it sounds easy, but it's it looks very difficult because wow. um, the couches they use they they use some that are specific just so they're slippery. Um, they have like for instance, they have one where you're in a kitchen and they have like these bar chairs and they swivel. So yeah, they don't make it easy at all. And the point is for you and your two buddies to make it across. Two or three. There's like wow. varying between two and three teams of twos and threes. But man, that, that thing that that game is so—I mean, that show is so addicting. It's it's a, uh, it's like you know, it's stupid entertainment. It's it's just easy. It's simple. Yeah. And ten thousand bucks for crossing a a, a room is—that's not bad, man. That's a pretty good reward. Don't wow. forget the lava lamp. That's another thirty bucks. Yeah, boy, that lamp. Mm, Twenty nine ninety nine. <laughs> the other thing that that we did, which if you guys haven't tried this, I highly recommend. Hunt a killer. So basically, if you're into true crime stuff. They send you a box. It's a series of boxes. So you start off with one box, and then it introduces you to this, this you know, a fake murder, like a murder case. And you're basically, you have to act as the detective, and you have to use all the evidence that they send you in each box to start slowly uh, figuring out who could have possibly committed the crime. So they give you police reports, autopsy reports, evidence in little evidence bags. Like cool. it's oh man, it's so fucking fun. It's it's really really entertaining, 
And so, like, I'm into true crime stuff. My girlfriend Gwen is into it. Gianna, my daughter, got into it with us, too. And so now, like, the outside, Edgar, you'll see it when you come later on this week. There's a section in my living room where it's just uh, the whole wall is full of evidence and all this uh, all this crime stuff. I look like a... Wait, like so you get to play along with this show or you're actually watching it? This isn't a show. It's it's uh, it's every box it's just gives you a new slew of evidence and information and you have to crack the case. Oh, but it, you actually physically have it. Yeah, you got all the oh, stuff. Oh, that's cool. Your hand. Man, it is so, so much, so much fun. It's really engaging. It's like watching a true crime show, you know, but you're mm-hmm. in it. You're part of it. It's so dope, man. So does oh, it have like uh, like guiding material for you to read or it's just like, hey, welcome. This is the box. Good luck. Oh, no, there's plenty of material. I mean, All you right, got man. you got everything from like um, witness interviews to a map of the entire area to uh evidence from these people like the case that i'm working basically is this guy who got murdered during the night of his high school reunion so you get like the yearbook from from when from when back when they were in in school you get uh photos of all the different people involved in the entire thing it is it's just an awesome an awesome experience it's really cool and i guess when you're done you order another box yeah yeah yeah. so as soon as you get to a point where and they have like checkpoints so you can like check your your progress basically on this website and you're able to know it's like okay that's it i solved everything i could possibly solve with this first box send me the next box of evidence and then you get it and it's you know you start getting into it until you're done with that box and i think it's a series of like six boxes this 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 case that we're doing oh, oh i see I so it. it's one case it's several six boxes. boxes yeah oh yeah Damn, I gotta get that because uh, Ingrid, she's a lot into those type of shows and games, and yeah, yeah, That's she wanted to man. love it, bro. She will love it. Like when she was trying to figure out, you know, what to do as a career, that was one of the things that she looked into was a C, um, CSI. Oh, That's cool. So yeah, yeah, she'll freaking wow. love it. I could have seen, I could seen Ingrid for that as that, like a CSI agent. Like mm-hmm. she's very like serious, you know. She's very the only serious. thing is that she's very forgetful, so that's that would be the difficult part. Oh, dang. Yeah. Like, who killed that guy? Oh, uh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did he yeah, say so he killed right. him? Did he kill him or no? He didn't kill him. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but, but she loves it, man. Like, those are the only between those type of shows and like um, uh, the real ER or something like that, like medical shows, like those are, are her things. Like wow. we've been wanting to uh, to try like escape room. I know it's it's not the same, but you know just figuring out clues and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it has that same vibe, man. This, this whole hunter killer thing, it really does have that same vibe as as like an escape room, except that you can take your time with it. You do it at your pace, you know. Got to oh, check wow. it out. Man. She'll enjoy it. Uh, all right, Lou. How was your Father's Day? Did they wake you up with breakfast in bed? It wasn't break breakfast in bed because <laughs> I was already playing uh, video games. But when she did wake up, <laughs> um, yeah, I got like a hella good breakfast. So it was like hella, like I'm from the West Coast. <laughs> um, it was um, like, um, oh man, it was just everything. It was like arepas, it was like fried eggs, it was like sausage, it was tater tots. Nice. It was Jeez. pancakes. It Colombian was, style uh, um, McDonald's. <laughs> man. It, it, was, uh, it was damn good and uh, ate it all. Yum. <laughs> and then that- uh, over the weekend, uh, let's see, it was mostly playing uh, Call of Duty. I got three wins this weekend in Warzone, so that's awesome. Normally, it's like one win every couple weeks with the wow. people I play with. 
So this weekend uh, we did pretty well. We got three wins. So, all right. And um, that's it. I've been back to work. And every day I come home, I am exhausted. Today I took a nap. Oh, you're back wow. in the office. Uh, well, technically back in the data center. And, okay. um, like, you know, wow. it's just I'm just tired. You, you can tell the difference between being home for three months and not moving to just walking and now i'm just exhausted like yeah i could tell uh, man before like, it was oh, man. you know grapes and sideways <laughs> leaning now it's like pillow give me your i need you pillow uh -huh. yeah I, I literally took a nap from like six to seven today after dinner and how was uh, the first day back like literally how was uh, the process how was adjusting and what you saw out there well, I had to go to New York on my first day. Uh, today, I had to go to a, a different city, North Bergen. But on the first day, it was like like revalidating access because like it expires since it hadn't been used consistently. Then the system automatically kicks out the IDs and your fingerprints and stuff like that. So I had to go through that process um, and then just um, just keep tabs. I mean, I had to go to New York, so I was extra careful, obviously. Um, I didn't even take a lunch. I didn't want to eat anything around there. Just take it easy for now. Can I start packing back. your own lunch? No Philly uh, subs. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> That'd be a hell of a long lunch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I just did uh, the work. I got home. I was so tired. Um, but I did play some video games yesterday. As of today, no video games. And just took a nap. And, yeah. and oh man, it's gonna be an adjustment, man. Three months yeah. is not easy. Nope. Well, wow. As long as you're staying safe out there, because up here, well, up here, down here, like everything's picking up again. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Well, you are Your numbers. Here, you're in the second floor. <laughs> yeah, up here, but down here, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's picking up again, man. To the point where like they're. Like Ricky pointed out early, because I sent him the message of that they were giving five hundred dollar fines and sixty days in jail. So if you're not abiding to that, but it has to be wait, wait for what fines for what? For not wearing a mask. But Ricardo pointed it out that let's say you're outside, but you're close to people closer than six feet, and they catch you doing that, then yeah, it's it's a fine. But it's it's only in the Miami like city areas, and they mm -hmm. they they were specific as to which ones they are. So now you're going to have to be outside. And then, you know, if you're close enough to someone, you're going to be suffocating out there. Because with yeah. this heat and the mask on, forget it. Heck no. And today was hot as heck, Ed, right? Oh, yeah. Yesterday, my, my telephone sends me like little messages. I think it said like 95, but it feels like 108. Because of the humidity. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, like okay. in hell. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess that's probably what July is going to bring, you know, freaking uh, oh, like a stove out there. Yikes! That's crazy. Yeah, up, like up here, up uh, here, they finally made it mandatory to wear masks. Wow, <laughs> that's yeah, totally different over there in Tampa, man. Yeah, uh, I I hear that your malls are already open and stuff. You guys can like go into malls. Yeah, yeah. Um, the malls. I mean, everything's pretty much open again, but like for how long? It's it's a matter of time before you know we we get shut down again. You know, I think I haven't kept up with the numbers, but I think they're like three hundred and. 3,000 or something like that? Yeah, in uh, the last 14 crazy. days, right, you guys went from 1.2 thousand to 3.3 thousand. 
Yeah, imagine in 14 days. The beaches were like normal people, were like at least in Fort Lauderdale, they were like, they looked like they were in the club. They were so close together. Yeah, know, if, up- if you compare your, your percentage, you're like 168% of uh, is the trend for 14 days for Florida. Compared to us, like New Jersey is like negative 29% because we keep decreasing. Our numbers went from 464 to 330. Right, and now they're just beginning to open malls. They just opened haircut. I just got one today, you know, and and, and going forward, the malls they're, they they're still been closed. That's still not going to open. Hmm. But this is so, Florida, man. Plus, our president says it is only because of more testing being available. So we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> we're good. He said as he slowly died. Yeah, and uh, today they posted up a. Uh... They have like a little message board at home, at home, at work, and it said that there's another case in my store, and it popped up on the on Friday, on the 19th. So I was like, okay, so it's hitting closer to home. But yep. it is what it is, man. Like we just gotta adjust and stay safe out there. Um, so that's good, man. You had a Father's Day full of food. Did they give you breakfast, uh, lunch, and dinner? Uh, yeah. Yes, they did. For lunch, we went to uh, her sister's house, and uh, we ate there. And uh, dinner was just uh, something quick at at home, but it was still good. But man, good stuff. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. For me, I I went on Saturday because Sunday we were celebrating Ingrid's mom's birthday here, so uh, I ended up going on Saturday, and. It turns out that they surprised me because I hadn't seen my parents, um, I think, since the funeral. So I showed up there and I owed my mom a, a present from for Mother's Day. So I showed up there and my dad, he just came out of surgery on Thursday. He redid his whole entire like uh, body, I guess. I guess his knee. Yeah, he needs his whole body. But Robocop. He got like this. Uh, Robocop. I don't even know what you call it, but it's like this metal in between both bones of your knee. And um He's been on pills. They gave him like 10 different types of pills. So I'm pretty sure he doesn't remember that I was there. But I showed up on Saturday and he was high. They even gave him morphine. Uh, he's been taking wow. like these pills. So I showed up, gave him his present, gave my mom the present. And then my little brother, he's like, oh, come check out my room. I fixed it up. I did some touch up. So we walked over to his room and he's like, go ahead and, you know, open it. I open it and my sister uh, from Texas was inside with my brother-in-law, my niece, and my nephew. <laughs> That's cool. So yeah, it oh, was like it wow. Was, yeah, it was no a big way. surprise for me. Like to the point where I opened the door, I didn't know what to do, so I just closed it up again. And <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was just a great surprise, man. So we had um we had dinner. My mom made me my favorite food. I don't know why, you know, because my dad's the one that needed to have his favorite food. And <laughs> then we just stayed there and and chilled, man. We played um. We played a card game. It's kind of like Cards Against Humanity, but it's uh, something with memes. So like you get a picture of a meme, and then you pick out like the the best saying for the meme, the best description, or whichever one is the funniest. I can, I can picture it. So it was a good time. And uh, Sunday, we celebrated Ingrid's mom's birthday. She came over. She hit uh, 74. And that lady is like, you know, like if she was in her 40s, there's no stopping wow. that lady. She's already been cancer twice, and uh, besides yeah. other issues, and yeah, so she, they were here. The family was here. I got to play with uh, my nieces, and it was a blast, man. And then back to work on wow. Monday, and I'm just trying to get through the week. 
Looking forward to this weekend, D. Yes, sir. I'm pumped up about that. For yeah, I'm sure. gonna go uh, up to to see Diego this weekend. I'm gonna go over um, there and see what Tampa's like. You finally going? And we're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my sister, she's like, oh, you know, we're only gonna be here a week and a half, and I was like, oh, well, that sucks for you guys. You should have told me. I'm going up to Tampa, so I'll catch him <laughs> uh, at another time. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, okay. D and I have been pushing this off. Like, I don't know. It's like our third time. Yeah, it's been, been a while. Been a, uh-huh. It's been a while. Uh, so. Yeah, so Friday after that. work, I'm gonna hit up the road and you know just see what tempo's like. And so you you're back to you're back to road dog. Hey. Yeah, it's gonna be like the first uh, drive in a while, at least that far in a while. And I'm looking forward to the fact that we're finally gonna get to record, you know, a podcast, you know, together in the same room, live and in person. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's gonna be a two man in one closet. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> All right, guys. Gotcha. So I guess uh, this is a good time to uh, take a break. And when we come back, we'll uh, talk about our daddies. So we'll be right back. All right, Poppy. We're back and ready to chat about our fathers. Uh, Lewis showing off some angry orchard uh, apples. Oh, shoot. You switched it up. Yeah, yeah impressive. It up. I'm out of Coronas. So this man returns to work and he gets all fruity on us. What's going on with that, man? What is that? What kind of cider is that? It's hard cider. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, hard. that's what matters. I thought you weren't going to switch it up to uh, season two. Well, I know, but I was out. So it was either this or run at the store. <laughs> back with the. You know Heineken. how I hate to run. So okay, so we, we got D back with Heineken. It, back at it again. Set for that Philly. <laughs> I'm doing uh, vodka with cranberry. Keeping it chill today. Ricky, I think, has tangerines instead of I'm drinks. You want a very little small bottle of milk? <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, we already talked about our Father's Day. So now it's time to talk about our actual fathers. Maybe we should uh, first describe our situations, uh, you know, whether, uh, you know, how involved our fathers were in our lives and all that, that sort of thing. Right. Okay, so we're gonna take it back to the past, or how would uh, it just like a quick, just like a quick profile. Like I didn't grow up with my dad. My mom and dad split when I was two, or, or before I, I turned two, and then from after that, I saw my dad once when I was seven for a week in Colombia. That like he went back to visit because he moved to Spain, and then I spent two months with him when I was eleven, two months when I was thirteen, and I got to spend one day with him in Spain when I was nineteen, and that was it. Like that's all I've seen my dad in my life. Wow. What about you guys? Yeah. Okay. Me, cool. um, well, I've I've been um, living since I was a child at home and still living there, so I've seen my dad for uh, well, I've been with my dad for many years, many years. Yeah. Go ahead. Ed. Okay. Well, I've been fortunate same to. Same here, man. Uh, go ahead, Luz. Well, same here. I mean, I've been living with my dad. What was it? Um, I mean, ever since Colombia, then in Florida, then here in Jersey, and been here. I mean, the last time was maybe when I went to college for, and I was dorming for a year, maybe then. But other than that, he's always been there, and especially now that now he's in Miami, and I'm up here. Okay. Well, I've known my dad for uh, well, he's known me for 37 years now, and have you known I mean, him? No, I'm just yeah. Playing. Yeah, since I was conscious enough, so maybe 33 (laughs) years, (laughs) give or take. 
so yeah, so who wants to uh, start off how it was growing up uh, in that situation? I can start it off. Well, my dad, I would uh, like to introduce him like uh, this type of guy, you know, like a ramble type of guy, you know, um, likes to wear red underwear around the house. And uh, Edgar could relate a little to that, but uh, yeah. the times when he was <laughs> the times when he was younger, <laughs> and he slept over. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah is. <laughs> still images that are here <laughs> in the back of my mind. He still has trauma, traumatizing <laughs> images. But uh, no, no, no. Uh, so Ed, we're, we're basically just talking about our our upbringing with our dad, or the type of person that they are. Um, yeah, you can say the type of relationship you have with him currently and how it was growing up to, with him, you know. Yeah. Okay. I guess we could talk about childhood for now and then we'll come back around. Right. Yeah. Um, I always, you know, like like I've said it before in the past, you know, I always had a, a, a dad that was, you know, very loving. That's one of the biggest things, biggest, you know, uh, virtues he he carries. You know, very loving. Um, so I was raised with, you know, that much love, you know, around the house. And um, very social person, you know, so everybody knew him in the block. Um, so, yeah, as a child, uh, you know, we were we were pretty close, you know. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like the most, the most like my dad, you know, out of my two siblings. I'm the smallest one, but I was named after him, basically, you know, so I'm like his meaning me, you know, so yeah, we always had a, a good relationship, man, really good relationship growing up. Um, how is it, how is it now living? living? Oh, that's right. We're talking about the past first. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah, growing up. It type of dad that he will always get me things that I wanted, you know, always please me, spoiled me at some times. Um, and, you know, a father that was always, you know, present on um, that, that I could be very thankful for, you know, cause I know some dads don't stick around, you know? So he was, he was always very present. Cause actually him, his dad, his dad actually wasn't that, you know, wasn't like that. You know, his, his, my grandfather basically, I think, left the house when my dad was only, I think, was only like 15 or something like that. So he decided to just, I guess, you know, break away, supposedly, with this, the, you know, the story. He broke away from the family and, and it was, he grew up in a broken home. So my dad, I guess, he never wanted to, to go through that. And he, he really, you know, grasped, um, family commitment to his you know being there for his family so so that's that's what he did he was a dad that was always around you know so yeah so that's basically uh, a little bit about my childhood okay you said before that um your mom and your dad used to work before who do you say you would spend the most time with or had the chance to spend most of the time with your dad or your mom i wasn't a mama's boy so uh, so you spent all that time with your dad yeah so i was more like a pop like a what did they call them? Daddy's, Daddy's boy. boy. Daddy's boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Lewis. I was uh, 
quick version right. of your childhood. Well, my dad was um, present. He also came from like a broken home. You're gonna have to adjust your and, mic, Luke. Uh, yeah, you're all oh, muffled. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. 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 All right. Go ahead. All right. So I was saying that. Um, I mean, he also came from like a, a broken home uh, when he was younger. It was uh, like my grandfather left him and his six sisters and my grandmother when uh, they were all young. So like he always grew up without a father. So that um, I guess that was also motivation for him to always stick around um, on my um, around my life and my sister's life. And uh, he was mostly like um, uh, like the final say in the household or the final point of discipline in the household. Um, and I mean, he, he he was always good. He was he. I remember. Sound a little muffled, like, Lewis. Muffled again. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sliding under somewhere. There Is you it go. better? Yeah. Just yeah. Hold on to it. Okay. Uh, so then it's a lot like, um, like he was, he would always be there. And then even when I had like, uh, birthdays or whatever, you know, I'd always get like, um, like something, it was always like McDonald's, believe it or not. Wow. <laughs> Your love for and, food. Uh, comes but he was always, <laughs> he was like mostly, uh, distant when he came to like, like everything else he'd always be like he would always be present but he wouldn't like really do much other than like work and then just be there if my mom needed support type of thing for either discipline or or he needed to teach me stuff from or explain homework or stuff like that that was really his key but it was never like 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 uh like very close or, or 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 loving relationship for that matter. It was mostly like, "Hey, I'm here if you need me." Um, Here's some nuggets. But go to your mom. <laughs> go to your mom type of thing. He's your French fry son. No. <laughs> yeah. So I guess you could say I'm definitely a, a mama's boy in that case. Oh yeah, um, that's for sure. <laughs> and um, that's it, I guess. Overall. <laughs> okay. What do we got, D? Well, I mean, not much. <laughs> <laughs> well, let us have it. Let us uh, have whatever you have. Look, yeah. there was that, that, that one week that I mentioned that, that he went to visit Colombia. Um, uh, well, for, for starters, like everyone always told me how much I, I was like my dad. They've been telling me that my entire life. And I never really understood it until like until I was 11 and, and 13. And I went to visit him in Spain. And I got to kind of like get into his world. Because that one week that I spent with him in Colombia when I was seven was really weird. Because he he took me to spend the week and sleep over at his mo his mother's house, my grandmother's house. But it was very strange because I didn't know any of these people. You know, they were not family that I ever grew grew up around. So they were all strangers to me. It was a strange week, and within a span of one week, one of my aunts who was a a nurse decided to vaccinate me <laughs> with like, okay. like three different vaccines that apparently I, I was lacking. What the? Yeah. 
So, so someone's there poking me in the arm, you know, with, with needles. Uh, it was like a series of vaccinations that I had to take throughout that week with this with this woman. Then um, he, my dad decided to bathe with me, which I know is something that, you know, a lot of fathers do with their kids. But I didn't know this, man. Like, this was literally my first, you know, instant yeah. spending what time with heck? him. So like, like, wait, wait a minute. Oh, seven. <laughs> seven, okay. So I'm there, like, staring at this man's penis, you know, like, in the shower. And that was, that was shocking to me. I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> and uh, then uh, on top of that, he noticed that I would sit on to watch TV. I would sit very close to the television. So he took me to the optometrist, uh, the, the ophthalmologist or optometrist. Order. This is only one week, okay? He took me to, to the optometrist, and I walked out with grandfather-looking glasses, bro. <laughs> It was and, like boot camp. I know. Hold on, we're not done. And and then he decided to teach me how to swim that week because he took me to a pool and he saw that I was kind of freaked out by the water the and, I, and I didn't know how to swim. And he taught me how to swim by throwing me into the pool and like forcing me to survive. <laughs> so survive, son. Like, needless to say, that week was fucking horrible man i i really <laughs> had a very negative image of my dad you know after that week and then that's it poof you know like for the next four years i don't hear anything from him i never talked to him nothing and then at 11 i started asking my mom questions about him because i started getting curious at that age about how he was as a person and you know like around that age you're starting to get closer and closer to like that preteen age and identity starts becoming like a big, you know, a big subject in your life. So anyway, I started asking my mom questions and I asked her if, if uh, she would send him a letter for me, if I wrote it and she said, mm -hmm. yeah. So I sent him that letter. And then like a couple of months later, that's when he invited me to go visit him. So I spent the two, two, um, two months during summertime in Spain with him. And mm -hmm. that was shocking. I remember, I remember How old were you then 11, 11. I remember when I got to the airport, for some reason, I had this image in my head that the man who was going to pick me up was going to be like wearing a suit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like I had this gentlemanly kind of image of what my father was supposed to be. And I remember feeling really disappointed when he showed up with like cargo shorts and like sandals. And it seemed like it clashed with the image that I had in my head. Of what How come you had that image in your head? Honestly, I think the, the the best explanation that I can have for it is that by that point, Christianity had already entered my family, my family. Oh, life. okay. And okay. pastors started becoming a very important male image for me. Yeah. And so I think I think this is like me trying to piece back what was going on in my head, uh, you know, many years ago. But I think that's probably why I had that image in my head. Anyway, the whole point is that I I remember like my first impression was that I was really disappointed. But then little by little, like when, as soon as we got to the car in the airport, in the parking lot, I see his car and he had all these antennas coming out of his car. And he had like all these little accents and details hooking up his car. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what's this? And I get into the car and he has this whole radio, like a CB radio setup. And oh. so it turns out that he, 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 he was a radio aficionado, like radio communications. And he loved going on road trips and he, while he was on road trips, he would like you, you know, he would communicate with these, you know, 
uh, hooked up antennas and radio system in his car with like truckers and bikers and stuff. And he would like meet them up in diners or in bars or whatever and just meet, make random friends out in the road. Anyway, so like that sort of thing started really seeming curious to me. Like I started liking, even though he wasn't what I, for some reason, had built up in my mind that he needed to be. I started liking the little curiosities that I that I started seeing in him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I discovered a lot of that while I was there for those two months, like what he was into, the way that he thought, the curiosity that he had as a human being, the creativity he had as a human being and all that stuff started relating. Like I started relating a lot to it because that's, you know, I started realizing, that, oh, shit, this that's where I get my stuff from. You know, that's where I get my personality and my creativity and all that stuff from. Um, and then the same thing when I was 13, I went back to visit him for two months and that was, you know, a little bit more of building that. Um, and I was a little older. So we had a, a few more interesting conversations. Um, and then I got to see him when I was 19. I was out there in a church trip and I got permission to just take one day off from the, the itinerary. Mm-hmm. And I met him up in, in the city that he was living in. And we got to spend an entire day together. And that was by far the most man-to-man conversation that I've been able to have with him. You know, it was the oldest that I had ever interacted with him, being 19 at the time. And we had a very open conversation. We had some beers and we, like, I started talking to him, you know, very openly about what his absence in my life, you know, meant. And, you know, the pain that that caused and the void that that left. But I also took the opportunity to tell him that, you know, I decided to forgive him for all that stuff and that I would like to build some kind of relationship with him, you know, moving forward. Um, it was it was a special day, man. Like, you know, the man broke down. He cried. He asked he asked me for forgiveness. He told me that there's not a day that goes by that he doesn't regret, you know, not being in my life. Um, and then from there on, you know, it's been I've never seen him again in person. It's only been phone conversations maybe a couple of video conversations in the last few years, but um, I'll get into the rest when we get into this next section. Gotcha. Okay. Mm. Man. So it's, it's funny how everybody's is in a different situation. Uh, Ricardo's dad was there with him, you know, pretty much 24 seven for Lewis. His dad was there, but not really. And your case, Diego, you know, he, he missed a lot of years from your life. So I don't know. In all of our situations, which one is the worst of them all? You know, like, I, I don't think there's such a good scenario when it comes to to our dads in some cases. In my case, is similar to somewhat to Lewis's, but to a different extreme. In my case, it's my dad has been present there from from day one as a childhood. My childhood was was very good up until the age of five. And then it just got kind of iffy from there. His little bit of a background is similar to the fact that when he was, he's the oldest of six, uh, four guys, two girls, and his dad was a very, I don't even call him my grandfather because he doesn't even deserve that. But he, he left him when he was 13 and he was the type of man that my dad would come home and just because he was angry for whatever reason was going on at work or whatever. He would just take it out of my dad being the biggest of the six. And it was beatings to the point where like he broke bones and left bruises and scars and, and all that stuff. Wow. So like I told you, and I think it was in the previous podcast, um, he, 
that guy was, you know, involved with many different women at one point. And he decided to leave my grandmother and my dad and, and my uncles and aunts when my dad was 13. So my dad had no choice but to kind of pick up his slack. And my dad started working from the age of 13 as a mechanic. And then, you know, he eventually ended up being an architect and all that. But he's the one that kept his household, you know, uh, above water. And he was, you know, my my uncles and my aunts, you know, dad and brother at the same time. He was my grandmother's support. And, and he had it very tough. So as I got older, I kind of understood why he is the way he is. But at the same time, I... I feel like we all have choices and mm-hmm. we I used to use that excuse all the time. And, you know, you guys knowing me the most, that was always an excuse. And when people would tell me, oh, you're just like your dad is like, yeah, well, you know, he grew up this and this way and he's angry and therefore so am I. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. You know, you make the decision whether you want to take the goods and you want to leave the bads. And up to now, I'm still breaking, you know, those chains of of his personality that i'm not okay with now that i'm more conscious of what's going on so as a kid yeah i had a great childhood you know i really didn't know what was going on he would come home and like i like i said before he would come home and he would give me a gift uh, literally every single day my birthdays were to the point where like i i had so much toys i didn't know what to do with them he would buy me two pinatas so i can destroy one and keep the other one in my room and (laughs) it was it was great like i mean like i said the childhood was was amazing and everything changed as as you get older so when we moved to miami for you know the reason that i said in the previous one because we had no choice uh, we came here and he has always been that that working man and his first job before we moved here was just kind of uh handyman he would just go from place to place doing what he could when my family and i moved over here he started working at that little farm store, you know, they call La, La Vaquita, you know, which is that little drive through, that <laughs> oh, little drive through supermarket. Place? I miss yeah, those you know, things, man. Wow. Yeah. I remember those. And I'm so surprised you're still here to this day. <laughs> that was his, um, that was his first job, you know, like his actual job. And in order Dude, to provide for work there too. Yeah. Like I said, it, it's impressive how they, how they stuck around, but you know, they, they come in handy, you know, you just, you never get out of your car, you place your order and that was it. So in order, that was during the times that we were kind of digging for our, our furniture, you know, in the garbage and, you know, and, and random toys and stuff like that, just to stay busy. He was actually working and he was putting like whatever eggs were broken. He would put them in whatever cartons or like the ones that were about to expire and they were getting rid of. Uh, he would take bread that, you know, was at the point of being moldy milk that was expired. And that's what he would bring home. So we had something to eat. So that guy, you know, he he had a very tough childhood and uh, probably even harder, you know, uh, adulthood. You know, he wasn't really planning on having four kids. I think their their max was two. And up what to happened? now, um, I don't know. He had to pair with my sister and myself. And I guess, you know, just uh, too much time on his hands. He got out of control. <laughs> So uh, we were actually going to be five because uh, my mom lost one before I was born. So maybe I wouldn't have been born or I have no idea. But, yeah, we would have probably been five. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he he has been um, a provider, you know, his whole life. So 
I guess we can take this into uh, our teenage years, you know, since we've all gone already. And as a teenager, that's where things started to get a little iffy. You know, growing up, I saw, I want to put it between the age of maybe like seven and up to like 15. And there was a lot of arguments between my parents. You know, uh, when it comes to my mom and we did Mother's Day, you know, that lady was there through tough times. She was my support. She was my guidance. She was the one that showed me love and, you know, tucked me into bed. And it was there when I was sick. My dad, you know, in that list, all I can say was he was a provider. That's pretty much all I got. And I saw a lot of not physical abuse, but a lot of verbal abuse, you know, towards my mom, towards the rest of us. And it was constant put downs. So me growing up, it went from going to school and being made fun of and, you know, being picked on to coming back home and getting the same thing from from my dad. And to him, there was no right way except his way. And like I said, it was just constant abuse. When high school comes around, you know, he already started kind of seeing me as a man. You know, he figured that, you know, I was supposed to be working. And he would take me to work during the summer just so I would kind of, you know, be that manly man that, you know, you're supposed to be. And I picked up a couple of things. But growing up, when we were about to end our, our senior year, I didn't have the choice of going to college or doing whatever I wanted to do. You know, he said, as soon as you graduate, you're going to come work with me. And that's, you know, when we started the business. So there was no really wow. a pause. It was like, OK, here's your diploma. Uh, a week later, we were opening up the shop and, and setting it up. And I think those three years might have been the worst um, that I could pinpoint, you know, of the relationship that him and I had. It was just him and I in that in that shop, and the verbal abuse increased um, by times ten. And several put downs. He would he would talk to me the way that that he would talk to a complete stranger, and they were in a fist fight to the point where he would get so upset he would throw things, and those things ended up like hitting me and leaving me bruises and marks and all that. And he would get pissed off because I was in the way of those things that he was throwing. Wow. So he, it was a very tough uh, three years to the point where it just, it tarnished our, our relationship more than it already was. So it became to the point where like I, I became angry with the situation and I became even more angry towards him and to the point where, like, I, I despised the man. And I would tell my uncle, his brother, that if my dad ever stepped it up to the point where he, he got physical, like, he, he stepped up to me that um, I couldn't promise that I wasn't going to. I promised him that I was going to start it. and But I couldn't promise that I was going to stop if I had the chance to. That you, that you weren't going to start it? Yeah, like he would start up the constant like arguments and all that stuff to the point where he figured I would back down. And then he right. hit that point where it was like, okay, he's enough, enough. And I would stand up to him. By that time, you know, we were already in the working out. I was a lot bigger. And I was in, I was just as angry as he was growing up. Hmm. So it just became really tense. And I would tell my uncle, you know, if my dad steps up to me, I am going to take him down. And I can't promise you that I'm going to be able to control myself. I maintain so much rage inside that I was like, I'm going to end this man. You know, that's the hatred that I, I piled on so much to me leaving to Los Angeles. So that was pretty much my teenage year, early manhood. So 
you know, how was for you guys? How was uh, the teenage part of it? I'll pick it up since I already uh, mentioned the part of uh, meeting my dad that last time when I was 19. So basically before then, you know, I was able to go and talk to my dad and, you know, forgive him and all that stuff because of the fact that I had spent my entire teens under the guidance of other men who came in and filled the, filled the role of, of, of a father figure. And these were all men within, um, within the Christian church that I was in at the time, uh, youth leaders, pastors, specifically one, two, three, three guys uh, who were kind of mentoring me throughout different seasons of those years. And I have to mention them because without them in my life, I would not have ended up where I ended up as a man. Um, they brought on a love, a care, and attention that I wouldn't have had in any other way. You know, and I don't care. My mom was always a hardworking woman, and she she did her best with what she had and with the lifestyle that she was living at that time. But um, you know, in a in a young man's life, there nobody will ever be able to occupy the spot of a father, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I experienced it as a son and I am experiencing it now as a father, you know, I'm seeing, I've seen both sides and I see the role that I occupy in my son, Joshua's life. And that is not, no matter how much his mom could ever try, she would never be able to fill that space. Um, and vice versa, mm-hmm. you know, it works the other way around too. You know what I mean? Like there's no way that I could ever fill the space in my kids' lives that, that, um, that their mom fills. Um, and these men occupied that spot, man. Like they really filled that void, the love, the time spent the attention with no, like no strings attached. You know, they weren't getting paid to, uh, spend that time with me, to listen to me, to talk to me, to guide me, counsel me, none of that. Um, so they, they occupy a really, really important spot in my life. And they were my fathers during my teenage years, basically. Mm hmm. How about you, Ricardo? Um, uh, yeah, teenage years. Um, so, so yeah, in terms of the relationship between me and my dad, uh, it was it was still. I mean, teenage years are pretty rough, you know, because you you start going into not all children, you know, but uh, you know, there's a mind, a different mindset that opens up versus when you're elementary school. You know, when you're in when you go pass on to middle school and even a little bit before that, it's like your mind opens up to you become you become more aware of certain things, you know. So um, I wasn't easy, man. I, I I was I was rebellious, you know, uh, and so my dad had to deal with me in terms of that, you know, uh, the rebellion, the wanting to dress, you know, like. Uh, like, like, like from the, I don't know, like from the hood, he could call it, you know. So uh, he he wanted. Just, he wanted just, to hey, Ricardo, you just made me made me think of something. Um, yeah, Edgar, you said that your dad never he never uh, punished you physically, right? Yeah, yeah, he never he never. I mean, he I got hit by stuff that he would throw, but he never put his hands on me. Gotcha. What about mm-hmm. you, Ricardo? Was there? Oh any yeah, yeah, I, I got yeah, I got corporal punishment. Oh yeah. Yeah, that 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 uh, was incorporated in my household. Okay. Um, basically, basically from my dad, my dad. You know, I guess he he grew up in the 
in, in the face, you know, of, uh, you know, the Bible and hit your child if he does something wrong. You know, I don't know. Like so a lot of parents catch that, you know. At what time? But, at what uh, age? At what age did that end with you? What age did that end? Um, Last man. week. <laughs> yeah, for real, right? When I when I ate some of it, it's gotten in the file for Father's Day. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but no, but uh, it well, it was more, it was more like physical when when I was elementary school under, you know, fifth grade and under. But then when I got older, it was more like punishment, you know. And if I didn't want to do it, it was, I think it even got to the point of belt, you know. It, I'm gonna I'm hit the I'm gonna I'm take the belt on you, you know. So yeah, there was still some of that, you know. I would say all the way probably to, I would say maybe seventh grade, you know. So that there was there was discipline, you know. Right. There was a man. There was a man in the house, and I couldn't. I couldn't. I mean, even though I was rebellious, I would. I I knew I couldn't pass certain boundaries, you know, in my house mm. or get away with certain things, you know. So, but it was you know it was good. My dad was uh, always there for me. You know, always uh, providing for me, um, helping me with homework. That's something that, like Lewis said, I think, you know, he was he was very. My dad's always been extremely smart, and he will always like when I was get stuck with homework, he will he will be the number one tutor right there, you know, for me. So um, even though you know we all have defects, you know, we like we're all talking about our dads and stuff like that. And even us as human beings, we're not, we're not perfect. We have defects. There was always that, you know, but, but definitely I would say overall, you know, that, that was what was provided to me as a adolescent, you know, with me and my dad. You know, what's funny that uh, when I would stay at Ricardo's house or I was hanging out there, you know, having the relationship that I had with my dad, I would use Ricardo's dad as like, how can I say the approval? You know, like whenever I would do something, I would go to him and like, like, for instance, we were talking about it the other day, like when we would draw or do stuff like that, I would go show his dad and he's like, oh, it's Garcito. He's like, this is awesome. This is great. And like, I was trying to fill that void that I wasn't getting on in my house, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, he was even supportive with me. Yeah, he was. The, the other, yeah. the other interesting uh, thing in that, in that same vein is, uh, is how much I actually enjoyed being at your house, Edgar. <laughs> Wow. because just because of your dad being present like that that was that was always special to me and i remember like seeing him you know he was always like building something oh yeah and, <laughs> and that kind of thing was always to me like oh shit like i wish i wish i had a dad to build some shit with you know what i mean like i, I wish i had that that a presence in my life mind you i didn't know everything you know behind the scenes obviously yeah but mm -hmm. and and he was a he was a scary ass dude, man. Like he he was intimidating. He was shit. looked like Rambo. Was, yeah, <laughs> like it's the can't... mustache. It's a what? <laughs> it's the mustache. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the mustache. He had this uh, Ron Swanson thing going on <laughs> for, for all some Rex fans out there. But yeah, man, it's funny. <laughs> you know, there you were, kind of like feeding off of. Uh, Ricardo's, Ricardo, dad. Ricardo's dad and I was kind of feeding off of just you know being around the guy who had his dad you know present and like, like admiring that it's it's crazy man like we're you know each of us lacking something and with really no knowledge of you know the behind the scenes and all that 
Yeah, mm-hmm. we always think it's greener on the other side, but you know, you you tend to miss some stuff, especially when you're a kid. Is that like you don't even bother to, to wonder or ask questions or anything, right? Lou, I know, I know, in your household, the belt was was used mainly by your Definitely, mom, though, if I remember. For my mom, yeah, but when when <laughs> when when she would complain to my dad, then you know, I'd just be sitting in the living room waiting until he got home, and then I knew I was gonna get it. <laughs> wow. But um, but you know it, it was clearly well deserved doing stupid stuff. But yeah. but uh, but no, yeah, like he would always, you know, he'd always be there uh, physically when it came to like, and you know, he'd help me with homework. And during my teen years, he would be mostly like encouraging my curiosity with like, hey, let's open this up, let's see what's inside, and hey, let's let's I don't know, let's. Um, do this or, or do that. So, so that's definitely where I got my, my, what do you call it? My computer interests and in, in, in whatever um, from, wow. from that, from him. And, you know, he was always like a, a smart guy. He was always right. self-taught. He, he never really like um, went to like formal school or formal training. So everything he would learn was just by taking it apart and trying to understand it. So that, you know, I always saw that as, a, as something very smart. Um, and, 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 you know, as a smart guy that could just solve those problems and, my, and capture my curiosity to, to then lead my career. So that's, mm. I always found that that's cool. uh, as a good thing. And him being like an old timer, you know, he's definitely from like the silent generation. He was born in like uh, 37 so he saw a lot of changes in the lifestyle from analog life hmm. to uh, current digital stuff and just the whole internet and all that stuff. Just, wow, you know, <laughs> he's seen a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but during those teenage years, yeah, he'd always be there. He'd always keep me in, in line and, um, and definitely like provide for the house. And um, he was always there. Wow. Okay, so moving on to to adulthood, I guess that's been. I know I've spoken a lot about my dad in the as a as a kid and as a teen, and I made him seem out to be it's really bad man. But now as an adult, you know, you tend to understand things more. And as an adult, I've gotten to actually take the time to get to to know him a lot more. Uh, we we were now together for maybe over eight years that I was doing uh, Home Depot time. And coming back around this time, you know, and working with him for the past, we've got to the point where our relationships clicked in a way where we kind of, we understand each other more. We see eye to eye. We actually, well, he actually takes me more into uh, consideration when it comes to to projects and what I have to, to bring to the table. So he he relies on me a lot. I don't know if it's because, you know, the, the age is getting to him. He just kind of said, you know, screw this. You know, it's time for him to run the show. Whatever the case is, it allowed me to, you know, to spend more time with him. And even when we have our car rides and we're going to, um, to a location where we're doing an installation or anything like that, you know, we, we get to know each other. And uh, a lot of the stuff that I told you guys, it's it's something that I, I've learned recently. You know, it wasn't something growing up because I never took the time to to get to know him. It's it's still a, a bumpy road. There's still a lot of stuff that we're we're working on. A lot of things that I still am not happy with. 
I wish he would dedicate more time to the family. It's it's always been a workaholic, and and the worst of it all, you know, it's been 37 years, and up to now, I still haven't heard an an I love you from him. And you know, it's three words. It's something so simple, but I guess in growing up the way that he did, it's, it's difficult for him. It's possible, you know. It's just a matter of deciding to say those words and. And hopefully, I, I I still hope to hear it, you know, one day. And but looking at things from both sides, you know, I I haven't done it either, you know. And it's one of those where like you, you give when you receive. And I think you know if I'm gonna get this ball rolling, it's gonna have to come from me, mm. you know, starting it off. And that's something that I'm trying to. Uh, there you trying go. To bring myself together, you know, like I said, you know, my my view on the world is very different now. Yeah, man, you know, on that point, Edgar, like, the, bro, the fact is, like, I, I see, I see those, you know, the older generations from like our, our fathers back generations of men. Right. And um, it was, it, it was like, a, they had like a combination of like, culturally, men were just not supposed to be sentimental, not supposed to show affection. Not supposed to even be communicative. You know what I mean? Like none of that was expected from them socially. So therefore, why take the step to do it? Right. And then on top of that, if they did do it, it was looked upon as weak. It was looked upon as feminine. And add on to that, the fact that the older, like the, the further back you go back into the generations, the more violent upbringings were. Because, like, my mom has told me crazy-ass stories about how my grandfather raised them, like, the violence, locking them up in bathrooms, you know, belt with the buckle, beatings, blood. And we, like, our generation, we, I think, our generation of men, I think, is, you know, by far the most self-aware that has come around in a very long time. And... We, you're right in what you said. I feel like a lot of it does fall on us because society has loosened up enough during our generation that, yeah, sure, when we were teenagers, you know, certain things were immediately you got back to the, oh, that's gay or that's, you know, you know, you're a pussy or whatever it was. But the more time has, the more, the more that time passes, the more acceptable it is for a man to show emotion, to cry, to, you know, say, I love you, to, to be weak and vulnerable. And like, I, I, I feel like my, I wouldn't have a relationship with my dad right now if it weren't for the fact that I took the first step and that I was willing to forgive and that I was willing to involve him. And all that shit was on me. Like I could have easily held on to my hatred, to my resentment, and there would be zero communication, zero relationship. But I feel like the step had to had to come from me. And mm-hmm. he is still tied up in so much of that, of those webs of uh, toxic masculinity and misogyny and just all that machismo shit, you know, that he grew up with that he couldn't take first steps. He really couldn't. Yeah, wow. and, and I agree with, with what you're saying there, man. The whole machismo, including my father, right? It's like totally in like embedded in them, man. Like from them being grown grown up or whatever. It, and it's just that that that's that's how 
you know, that's how they taught. So that's, 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 that's what they were taught. That's what they do. You know, that's, oh no, you don't talk about your feelings. That's what girls do type of thing. Right. But look at us, you know, we talk about stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And that's something that I always admire in uh, Ricardo's household, you know, because that's something that I watched Ricardo grow up with. And, you know, like we've said before, you know, it's, it's, you don't know how it is, you know, behind the currents, but at least from what I saw there, they easily say to each other, you know, I don't think I've ever seen Ricardo walk out of his house where his dad didn't tell him that, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you can speak obviously personally for your, for this uh, case, Ricardo. Right. And you know what I'm, uh, you know what I'm like thinking of right now, Ed, that you and your dad, you guys say hello to each other with a, with a kiss on the cheek, right? Yeah. Yeah. To this day, we still do. See, yeah. see right there, man. Sometimes we, we don't, yeah, like it's different when somebody says something to you. You know, but when somebody does something to you like that, uh, that's love right there, man. That's a that's a form of affection. You know what I mean? And, so know, yeah. we yeah. talked we talked about the love languages back in back in the relationships episode, and and this is no different. Like you know, these these men were were chiseled. They were shaped by whatever was normal in their culture and in their and in their time in their childhood. They're they're limited like that. That's a language that they learn. So, you know, imagine what bridges can be can be built if us as the sons or you know their daughters and everyone you know that that they brought to life, if we're able to learn their language and realize, like, walk up to them one day and be like, "Listen, I get that you weren't taught to say I love you. I get that you weren't taught to show affection, you know, but you told. But thank you for for." telling me through your actions through your provision through your gifts through your acts of service you know whatever the other love languages were that they did utilize exactly like i feel like like that that i mean the whole five languages the five love languages thing can be so healing for for both parties when when you apply it no matter what kind of relationship it is including a father-son relationship yeah the whole kissing on the cheek you know has been for as far as long as i can remember uh, the only thing I, I do, well, I've done for a couple of years now is that I I add a hug into that. And it's not one of those just like pat on the back is like I actually hold him. Sometimes he tends to push off, you know, before I do. But I just try <laughs> to like let him know that, you know, that I am here. And, you know, as tough as my dad is and you guys have seen that, you know, he was a very scary man. He is also um, the most vulnerable man that I've also have witnessed, you know, in my life. You know, he he doesn't show much. He covers it with anger, you know, all the stuff that he feels. But when it comes to us as a family, you know, he's the first one to he doesn't handle it the best because he panics. But you can tell how much he, he really does care and he worried for us. And, you know, he's always making sure that we're OK. You know, if we go too long without calling him, you know, that bothers him because he wants to make sure that that his kids are good. You know, and if we ever we ever fail in life he's always right there to to pick up the pieces for us and back us up and give us guidance and and that's something that i can still you know i I do admire on his side um as an adult now there's things that i i take from him you know trying to to work hard uh i don't know if i've become that manly man that he that he wanted me to but for sure i have learned a lot you know uh, when it comes to my hands you know and even though those were like some of the worst times, it's what's providing for my family now. Hmm. And 
just like I'm taking the goods, you know, I'm trying to avoid the bads and those kind of things where I come home and, you know, just, you know, ignore the family. I, I kind of switched it up. I make sure I come home and the same way I leave, I make sure I, I kiss Ingrid goodbye. You know, I tell her that I love her and I try to make more time for the family now. Uh, I'm not the machismo, machismo, like when it comes to like sitting at the table expecting to be served, um, I'm not in approval with that. You know, I figured if you have uh, hands and feet, you can grab your own dishes. Uh, I try to help out when it comes to the house before it was just, you know, my dad's point of view was like, I work the person, the woman at the house takes care of everything else. And right. I try to change it up. You know, I help with the dishes. I help with the laundry. I help fold. Um, I iron sometimes I, I clean. I do what I can. You know, I don't feel like there's a man or a woman type of job. It's just a responsibility that everybody has. Um, so uh, for you guys, Ricky, Lewis. Yeah, in, in my case, uh, similar to you, man. It, it, and it's mostly like now that, that, that we're older and, and we're talking about that part, it, it, it really is amazing how when you look back at stuff, you, you do realize that, hey, you know, I understand your heart on me, but look, I learned how to type in, in before high school. You get me? I learned my multiplication tables <coughs> before grammar school. Um, so like all this, it definitely pays off at the end, even though I didn't want to do it back then and you made me do it, literally made me do it. It, uh, really pays off. Um, and uh, the same thing with like him now, it, it's like, he's always like been concerned and cared, but he's always been a workaholic. He doesn't take time for himself. Now he's retired. You know, he really has nothing much to do, but just draw or do whatever he wants. But he's always been like, like I guess cheap. He doesn't want to take a trip because he doesn't want to spend the money. He doesn't want to go out for a nice steak because he doesn't want to spend the money. But he's worked his entire life, you know. Wow. And it's like this is the time to have that steak and to take that trip. Oh well, man, not the trip. But uh, but you know, overall, it's like, hey, go do it because if not now, like when? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, yeah. No, I, I feel that from everything we've spoken about, I mean, we can, something good that we can take from this is, you know, um, I mean, I've even seen very flawed people, you know what I mean, in life, you know, always have, they, 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 they carry, you know, good attributes in them, you know, and it's, it, it could be so easy to, you know, to seeing the negative side of things, you know, but when you, I think as human beings, like we all, we, we have flaws, right? All of us have flaws, but like, man, if we were to be able to overcome those flaws, then, you know, then we will see more of the, uh, of the good, the good beauty, you know, and some people have not been able to get there. But deep down inside, I, I really believe, I mean, from my, my, my faith is that, you know, people have greatness inside of them, man. They have good inside of them, you know. So I would say put, put, the, put the flaws aside because, I mean, look at it like this. Maybe you'll, you guys will understand it a little bit more like this. If something were to happen to one of those, you know, one of those people, even even if they weren't, let's say, 
too close or involved in your life. But if something were to happen to one of them, you know, and you're and you don't have them presently anymore, what would you do differently? How would you would you look at it differently? Would you would you treat them differently? Would you you know would you make more effort to spend a little bit more time with them and understand the flaws that they have, you know, and kind of put them to a side and just enjoy the good things about them, you know. So I think I think uh, we can. That's one thing that we should take, you know, we could take from this talk that uh, would be a, a good road to take. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'll present a, a, a an alternate situation because, you know, everybody's uh, not everybody's situation lends itself to that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, you know, like in my case, I <clears throat> I've honestly come to the conclusion that I don't think my, my father is a person who should have had kids. And I know that sounds really weird because I'm his kid and I wouldn't be alive, <laughs> but he is not, uh, he has just simply not been a father and he's had three chances already. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I think that there are people who legitimately are not, don't have the, the, the proper qualities to be a parent. Um, yeah. so, so parting from that point, uh, I, you know, Edgar, you, you brought up a question early, early, early in the conversation about uh, the point of like, is it better that they were present? Is it better that they were absent? And in my case, I can honestly say now knowing what I know about him um, and about my mom, even, I think it would have been more toxic, possibly more destructive for me as a son to have grown up with him because he doesn't have the qualities of a good father. And I can only hypothesize about what scenarios could have ended up happening uh, had he been involved. Now, I found it rewarding personally and healing to forgive him and to establish some sort of communication. But the communication in the relationship that I have with my father right now is not one of a father and son. That's just a reality. Mm -hmm. And I will never have that with him because there, there's been other men in my life that I truly consider fathers. You know, I feel them as fathers and they occupy that role in my life. He is not one of those people. He is a man who gave me biological life and I will forever be grateful to him for that. Um, but my communication with him is more born out of a curiosity to see where I came from and mm -hmm. heal an open wound that was there between us. You know, if I have the power and the capacity to heal something by forgiving and by letting go of the hurt, then I want to do that with him and with anybody in my life. And ultimately I think the greatest amount of value that I've gotten from reconnecting with my father has been learning what not to do. You know, right. lear learning from his mistakes. That has been a tremendous, right. uh, a, a tremendous amount of value that, that that's brought to my life, man. Like, um, I think that ultimately, like we were talking, like I was saying before about their generation and all the shackles that they walk with, um, and how difficult their society and the time period that they grew up with made it, made it to be a good father. I think that that is like a race that we are running to try to better ourselves, like us as our generation of men, to try to better ourselves fast enough so that we can impact 
our kids in a positive, in a more positive way than we were impacted, you know, fill in the blanks that they didn't fill in because they weren't right. able to um, break the chains, break the, the curses, break the, the cycles of absence or of abuse, verbal, emotional, physical, whatever it may be. That's my personal race. That's been my personal race, especially since I've been a single dad during these last five years. And mm-hmm. I see my kids reaping the benefits, man. And I don't know that they'll ever know all the shit that had to go on inside me, <laughs> you know, to be able to get to the point of being the kind of father that I am to them because they don't know the hurt. They don't know the absence. They don't know any of that, but they're reaping the benefits of me having lived all that. Yeah. I probably will never know Diego, but that's a blessing for them, you know, because they won't, it's a blessing for you and it's a blessing for them. You, because you, you learn from that experience and you've got to sharpen, sharpen your iron, you know? Right. But then, they it's a blessing for them because they never got to live that hell you know let's say that let's say let's call it like that you know yeah so yeah yeah it's uh it's surprising you know how how things change throughout you know our our childhood to teens to adulthood you know just how much of a difference one person can make you know either they make you or they break you but you know at the end of the day it's the things that you learn and I think we've all come out pretty good, you know, whether we've been through the goods or the bads, you know, we're, we're doing what we can. Right. True that. Well, guys, I guess, um, I think we can wrap it up with wrap up this segment. Um, I guess just like we did mother's day, you know, whether, like I said, it's good, whether it was bad, um, without our dads, however you want to see it, we wouldn't be here without them. And, you know, we, we've learned uh, what to do, what not to do. And, you know, we, we're going to implement that into into the kids that we're helping raise, or in your case, D, you know, the kids that you are raising. And from the conversations that we had, you know, my, my toast also goes to you, brother, because it's, it's something that, you know, stepping back and just looking at it is definitely not easy. And um, I think you are fulfilling, you know, the things that we have talked about and and you have amazing kids man so you know i I, you, I raise my glass to you brother so you know cheers to all fathers out there you know whether you are a blood father whether you're stepping in or you know whatever case it may be so toast to you salute you know this toast. episode goes out to you cheers 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 guys uh if you have any comments questions concerns or you just want to say hello you can find us on facebook on instagram and pretty soon on Twitter. So we appreciate you listening and spending that time with us at our table. We will be with you next week. Till then, let's drop that beat. Remember to subscribe or follow the shows on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. You can also keep up with the guys on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.